Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Out of the gates and ready to go. Hot Mike with Hunter Withrow underway. The Friday edition has arrived. Sixth and Peabody are located with Ehop Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Join us across the Outkick Network live on YouTube. Search out Outkick. Subscribe to the channel. Chad is live in the chat right now. I can see him pulling it up as we speak. Live across uh, the great radio platform as well. If you're listening to this radio station, we say thank you. We've got a, a great show planned to get you ready for the football weekend. Michael Fabiano joins us in about 40 minutes from right now. He is the fantasy football expert and analyst for Sports Illustrated. He'll be with us uh, coming up in 40 minutes. Barrett Salee, CBS Sports college football analyst and insider. He's joining us in an hour. And Kelly in Vegas with the, uh, the new show, uh, The Fade with Clay Travis, that will be each Thursday. She joins us every Friday to get us some winners for the college football and NFL weekend. Chad, good afternoon. I absolutely love that Kelly, after starting the show with Clay, after recording that show and putting it out there for OutKick, Reached out to you and I, Hutton, and said, can I still do the show tomorrow? And what was our response? Absolutely. Yeah. Yes. We want you on the show every week. And thank you for offering to come on the show and give us some winners. I need some winners in a bad way. Um, <laughs> I, I'm already out of my eliminator pick twice oh. now because I went with Washington last night. And you went thinking, with good picks the first. Thinking the Bears are dead. The first five weeks of the season, you went with Minnesota. Matt Eberflus is on one leg, just crawling <laughs> out of town. They don't have a defensive coordinator they just gave up a huge lead and lost to Sean Payton and the, yeah. the Broncos. They're on the road. And they get out to a 27-3 to lead last night against the Commanders. Anyway, uh, I'm a loser right now. I need to be a winner again. That's why we have Kelly and Vegas on to give us some winners. We're going into a winning weekend, Jack. We are. In so many different ways. A big college football weekend. I've got a great pitch up. for Kelly today, too. Okay. I have done well with my pitches to Kelly. That's the one pick. That I've done well, and I've done well. Here's a little tease of it. I've done well with college football home favorites when they're favored by a good amount of points. I may go that route again today. Home, Jeff, to home, home favorites to cover. Let's hit the uh, top headlines of the day, uh, the Scorched Earth headlines on Hot Mike with Hutton and Withrow. Uh, and we start with, well, what a week it's been for uh, the accused and the now accusations of extortion artists and, and that's the latest from mel tucker where his lawyer his attorneys have presented new evidence they say they have text messages literally have text messages from brenda tracy saying that she has no money and saying that she is trying to get paid by mel tucker uh based on the uh, making the claim that she did of inappropriate texts that were sent to her inappropriate calls that were uh, made to her that was not consensual uh, in phone sex. Mel Tucker, of course, since has been fired by Michigan State in the athletic department as head football coach. He did not show to the Title IX hearing that took place or was scheduled to take place yesterday um, with Michigan State and instead sent a letter to the university through his lawyers, Chad, that cite specific texts where Brenda Tracy is literally 
saying in this uh, based on the allegations from his legal team of extortion down to five dollars taking on the 95 million dollar coach um, has uh, exchanges trying to sell the story uh, to places like ESPN this gets crazy and it goes back to the language that is in Tucker's contract about putting the university in a bad light and his claim that hey I this is a farce. I wasn't fired for uh, what was going on with the Title IX investigation. I was fired because Michigan State was looking for a way out of the contract that they gave me, which, if fired with cause, saved them roughly $80 million that was remaining on his deal. Is Michigan State going to have to hire him back? Or reinstate him? I mean, I, I'm, I'm being honest here. If they want to avoid uh, having to pay out a lot of money, in a lawsuit, it, it, would they would Mel Tucker want his job back? Is the other part of this? He could just say, "Nope, you fired me, you dismissed me, yeah, pay me, and now I'm firing. I don't want to be there. You're gonna you're gonna pay me this money for firing me. I'm not coming back to coach your team. It's clear I'm not wanted there. He's already said the claim you brought up, Hutton, that he thinks this is all about his win loss record, Says and he did this is a way wrong. for them to get out of the money that he did nothing wrong. Um, it's a really tough week for sextortionists in sports. Because now this is two pretty clear-cut cases based on text message evidence of women trying to extort men through sex. The old honeypot, as they call it. We saw it with Lindsey Hill, with Trevor Bauer. We discussed it ad nauseum earlier this week. And now Brenda Tracy with Mel Tucker. Here are the facts of these, these texts that are going on. And, and the fact that she's gone silent. Brenda Tracy's been contacted and is giving no comments right now on all of this. Not only was she talking about how much money he made with a friend, not only was someone apparently present with her when the phone sex took place and has testified under oath that it was 100% consensual on both sides, you also have Brenda Tracy trying to go to her friend's home to spend the night to break into her and her family's phone and devices to delete text messages because she knew this would eventually be used against her. Brenda Tracy also has described herself via text message as a professional crier that she can cry on command when telling her story. This stuff is sick. I mean, you want to talk about fakes and phony people in this world? Here's a classic example right here. Someone who's using a platform as a sex abuse survivor, sexual assault survivor, to make money by speaking to athletes about not sexually assaulting someone that is out there through text message and pretty clear evidence of this so far that she's trying to extort Mel Tucker. And Mel Tucker lost a $95 million contract over alleged non-consensual phone sex, which even saying the phrase non-consensual phone sex sounds kind of funny to talk about. This is a mess. It's got to stop. This gives a lot of people a bad name. This clouds a lot of different situations. And in a lot of cases, it shouldn't be clouded. But these are high-profile cases now, two in one week of sextortion taking place in sports. And it's not right. Yep, and uh, it also references uh, simultaneous, what they say, consensual relationships uh, with both Mel Tucker and, and also engaging in a relationship with Georgia Tech basketball coach Damon Stoudemire. At the same time, all of this is going on. Uh, so he's got this through his legal team as 
the hearing was supposed to take place yesterday and today with uh, the Title IX and, and Michigan State uh, hearing with the, the board that's on campus. Uh, of course, he's not there. He cited uh, a serious medical issue. But again, then the letter came in to the university. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, do they reinstate him? No. Uh, should they? Yes. But they won't, Chad, because they're trying to get out of the contract. That's the, that's the truth of the matter here. They want out of the contract. You don't reinstate him if you're trying to get out of the deal that you gave him that was a, a bad contract in their eyes and based on what was happening on the football field. Yeah. It, go, it goes back to what we said. If he's winning, none of this is taking place where he's not coaching right now. Yeah, and I guess that Michigan State could come back and say, well, now we have new evidence with these text messages that Mel Tucker's attorney has, has drug up through everything going on on his side with the, with the lawsuit. It, it, it's a mess. I, I don't know what Michigan State does. I don't think Mel T Tucker wants to go back and coach that team. He's going to seek all of his money that he's owed in a buyout. That, that's how this thing is going to play out. And now Michigan State is left sort of, you know, Suge Knight is dangling them off a rooftop by their ankles right now as they hire the next coach. They don't know what they can do financially right? because they don't know how much they're going to owe Mel Tucker in all of this. The other part of this, Hutton, is um, through the evidence that the lawyers for Mel Tucker, that they got by investigating Brenda Tracy, she corresponded with two different ESPN college football reporters and a USA Today reporter and reached an exclusive deal with USA Today to – announced to basically break this news and get that out there. Um, some of these outlets have been remarkably silent on this new information. Uh, this is a breach of ethics. However you want to strike it. I, I, I don't care about politics of it or any of that. It's a breach of ethics. We have to get back to listening to both sides of a story. And also, I don't want someone else coming in and saying, anytime a woman accuses a guy of anything, the guy's absolutely innocent. That's not the case either. But these are two bad stories and they need to be covered, not just the first allegation, not just the stuff that ESPN threw out there to get Mel Tucker fired, but every part of this story now because we've got a very big piece of evidence that's out there that not a lot of media outlets are covering right now, and I think that's a shame. Same with, ba same with Bauer. And someone brought this up, Hutton, and I, I didn't put this together. Is it a coincidence that Emmy Odoka, Odoka was fired for an affair with a Celtics player? Damon Stoudemire was on that staff. And ESPN was tipped off to an affair going on with Damon Stoudemire and Brenda Tracy in the same month that ESPN broke the news about Udoka, that all this was going on with correspondence with Brenda Tracy, that where she was also telling ESPN about her relationship with Damon Stoudemire. Could that have something to do with it? Someone brought that up, never even thought about the possibility. But this is what you open yourself up to. Yeah. When you don't just come out and say, hey, here's what happened, well, it's here's like, uh, the story. Treating it like uh, Us Weekly getting a, an exclusive photo shoot of a wedding, you know, uh, Kardashian's next wedding, you know? Uh, they, they have the, they, they're the only ones in the room that get the, the photographer. That's the deal that is uh, struck here, it seems, with uh, USA Today. And Brenda Tracy even laid out in her text messages, this is one part that, I, that jumped out to me. She said, imagine a $95 million a, a coach with a contract like that doing something like this, that that's what's alleged. And then she referred to herself as a victim and said, I'm not just a victim when it involves a $95 million coach. I'm a, quote, good victim. Welcome yep. to 2023. Right. Where hey, you can sit there and lay out your plot to get money. Someone who had $5 in their account, and, and that's according that, to them. someone that goes and speaks on uh, being a Sexual survivor assault. of gang rape. 
And someone that goes campus to campus and, you know, uh, goes to different yeah. meetings. $5 left in her account. Yeah. Dodging the IRS. Hasn't paid taxes since 2018 and having to work her way through the IRS. Trying to go out and get money. Referring to herself as, quote, a good victim. That is where we are right now in society. It's a strange place to be. I just really wish that those who reported heavily on the first accusations and Mel Tucker getting fired and all that would at least come back and report this news that's out there now from his legal team. I don't know how they they can avoid it now based on the texts that are literally laid out here in this document. And maybe they're just waiting on something to come down from Michigan State on a statement from them or them moving in this and saying they're going to consider letting him come back. I, I don't know what... I don't see any of those scenario where they're going to reinstate him and Mel Tucker's going to say, okay, yeah, you guys treated me wrong in this, but I'm coming back. Chad, Evan Neal, uh, we mentioned yesterday. He walked it back. Yeah, he stood at his locker yesterday, and we, we, we touched on this. They said he's, he's remorseful, and he's criticizing Giants fans. Uh, he's, he's, uh, th- those that were booing at the game against the Seahawks, those are fans that you know will be flipping burgers. Well, now he's walked that back. He did that in a social media post, and he did that in a prepared statement that he gave in front of cameras yesterday. You issued an apology on social media. What would you like to share with us today? Uh, that I'm remorseful, and um, I definitely could have used a better choice of words. Uh, you know, coming from humble beginnings myself, I never wanted to belittle anyone, uh, regardless of their financial status or their occupation. So I really just wanted to apologize for what I said. How do you gain or regain the trust of the fans? Just by continuing to move forward, um, just taking it day by day. Uh, trust is built over time. So was, I'm sure it's nothing that's going to happen overnight. Um, we got to continue to make the right choices moving forward. So there's Evan Neal, former uh, Crimson Tide offensive lineman, right tackle there for the Giants, um, who is saying the right things there of what he should have been saying to the media post game after things cooled off from whatever he was saying to the fans on the sideline. That's how you handle it. Uh, emotions run high. Typically, it's the visiting team that's chirping back and forth with fans a lot. Not the home, the home team's players, especially uh, the starters that are getting drummed and not living up to expectation. Well, especially an offensive lineman. You know, I, most of the time I would say uh, fans, they're fickle. And if you start playing well, they'll forget about this. And I do think this will die down. And the radio host we, we played yesterday that's saying, boo him where if he's at the New Jersey Turnpike Mall, you go and boo right, him to his right. face. He's going to get a lot of boos the rest of this season. I think that over time, people will forget and stop booing him. But I also don't think he's ever going to fully come back from this. Why? He doesn't touch the football. I think if he was a guy who scored touchdowns and affected the game that way, Fans would forget based on production, but if an offensive lineman is productive, and we know this, we're not talking about them. Yeah, you only so what are we going to be talking about with Evan Neal if you're a a Giants fan, especially in that market? Well, you're going to be saying, "Here's a guy who called me a hamburger flipper." Yeah, but if if the team ends up winning like they were last year, they can do no wrong. It doesn't matter who's criticizing anything. No one's criticizing anything. Yeah. No, my only point is everyone's happy. The team, the fans will be quiet with him and everyone if they're winning. Right. I just know this to be something that Giants fans will never forget. He's not long for the Giants roster. He can't do anything to make them forget at his position. Yeah. Because the great offensive linemen we forget about because they're not letting guys get through. They're doing their job and they're quiet. It's like a great official. You know what you're saying? You're saying like if DJ Moore 
goes off for 230 yards receiving like he did last night for three touchdowns. First time we've seen that from a, a Bears receiver or anyone since 1954. You're saying that if DJ Moore had criticized Bears fans, that Bears fans would love him today. A thousand yes. percent. I'm saying that if DJ Moore criticized Bear fans that way and started producing like that and the Bears kept winning, yeah. DJ Moore would be this story of a standing ovation. Man, he's faced so much adversity from us based on what he said we about were us. Standing ovation. What an amazing story. Let's nominate him for an Arthur Ashe Courage Award <laughs> for coming back from our booing him. Evan Neal's never going to get that because Evan Neal doesn't touch the football. 14-game losing streak over the Chicago Bears. 40-20 to 20 winners on the road Thursday night. Uh, in their primetime slot. In all the glory that was that game, wow. Justin Fields, he played well last week, does it again, and connects with DJ Moore. Eight receptions on 10 targets, 230 yards, three touchdowns. Unstoppable. And the uh, Commanders, well, good luck, Ron Rivera. There goes my eliminator pick with the Commanders. Tough to watch. So it I was. stopped watching. I watched The Gold on Paramount+. Plus. Great show. Great British crime drama. It's a Check movement it weekend in college football, plus uh, a tough week for extortion artists. We've got all of that and more coming up. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Sixth and Peabody, our location with Ehop Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Chad, you know how I said uh, earlier this week that I prefer, you know, the, the month of March. It's really half of March, half of April. Uh, it's, for me, uh, walking in today, I was just thinking, it's really just about which season I'm currently living in. Yeah. October's awesome. Yeah. And then when, once March rolls around, I'll be so tired of the cold weather. It's like, man, it's the best time of year period for sports because you have everything. You have the azaleas beginning to bloom at Augusta National and a hell of a basketball tournament. To lock into so Hutton I think what you're explaining to me is that you're just a guy who loves life you love the life love that October you're living in that March. moment yeah. yeah yeah I'm always I love um this is gonna sound you love very love. sentimental but I love like morning walks wow uh in in nature in the fall when the weather's getting a little bit colder and I like it this is strange I like it even more when there's no sun I like an overcast you like Dayton, walk. Ohio mornings Yes, put me right square smack in the middle of Ohio. Uh, Tyler Castle Very country. Very great. Not even the northeastern part of the state. You put me right in the middle of Columbus, Dayton. Smack dab, landlocked, no Great Lake around, straight grayness all the time, leaves falling, yeah. leaves turning. That's my ideal day. I love when the weather gets a little bit colder and it's overcast in the fall. That is my, if you ask me, what's the best, what's your favorite day? It would be a Saturday or Sunday in October, about 58 to 65 degrees tops. For you want a, a little mist in the air? Maybe a little bit of precipitation, little precip in the air, <laughs> lots of overcast skies. I want some sort of pumpkin spice coffee in my hand. That sounds amazing. And a full day of football ahead. I, I want the With weather a to world be of possibilities. just in between. I've got this long sleeve polo on. I want it just in between being too warm or too cold to wear. Yeah. 
That's, that's what I want. That's perfect. I love a nice long sleeve. You can roll it up to the three-quarter sleeve that's, length. That's the weather Like I want. Hutton's going with right now. Uh, I like to call it old-fashioned weather. That's like where you want to have a nice old-fashioned outside with a fire pit like going. That. That's a good, good An outdoor TV close by. Yeah. Man, I love this time of year. It's going to get down to 40 degrees in upper 30s in some area of Middle Tennessee this weekend, Hutton. 63 for a high that's tomorrow. All about, that's right in your wheelhouse. Right in my wheelhouse. I will have, the high you want. When I, when I coach softball at 8 a.m. tomorrow, I will have long sleeves on. <laughs> I'll have shorts, <laughs> sleeves like you have right now. Okay. Uh, long sleeves underneath the, the coaching shirt, and I'll be ready to go. I'm excited. You know who would not wear sleeves, uh, period? He would be totally against it is Dick Butkus. R.I.P. to the bear. Chicago son, Dick Butkus, who, who passed away in his sleep at the age of 80 years old. Uh, who re- Retired at the age of 31. Uh, Pro Football Hall of Famer. And just the image of tenacity. I don't know how else to describe him. He, he, he once said he played the game the way he thought it should be played, but also acknowledged, well, I guess I play it different than how others view it should be played because I'm described in such a way that's just unique in how he played it. I, we had the chance to, uh, to chat with him once on Radio Row at the Super Bowl, and he was as energetic as he played. Just very brash, blunt, and, uh, but very cool. Very personable, and R.I.P. to uh, the, the legend on the gridiron for Chicago. He's such a cultural touchstone for so many. You could make a Dick Butkus reference today. Or just a and, last name. And someone who's 22 years old would get it. If you were making a reference about toughness in football or yeah. just a football guy in general, and you reference Dick Butkus, young people get it, middle-aged people get it, old people get it. Dick Butkus is a legend. Because of what he stood for in the game, which was an old school approach to getting after it and hard nosed, tough football. And he's synonymous with that. And when I think of the Chicago Bears and what they stand for, what they should stand for, it's not Matt Eberflus and this year's team, it's Dick Butkus, yeah, right? It's Walter Payton. It. Yeah, it's, 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 it's Brands, it's Butkus, Ditka, Sweetness. Like the, yeah. the list goes on and on. With, but, but when you, you think Ditka and Butkus, yeah. the first thing you're thinking about are grizzled dudes with swollen knuckles and literal grit in their voice. That is the city of Chicago from a working person standpoint, and that is what I think of with the Chicago Bears. I think of breath coming out on a cold day and literal grit you know in someone's voice and in the way they, they play the They were guys game. that fans could relate to, unlike Evan Neal. Yes. That's... They're the exact opposite uh, in terms of persona. And, and Buckus also. They had, would go flip the burgers at the tailgate with yeah. the fans. Those, the Bears were talking about, not make fun of someone for flipping burgers. Well, uh, he had a great sense of humor, Buckus. Uh, they did a nice job in SI of, of picking out the nine greatest tweets by Dick Buckus. We, we were using a few of them here, uh, starting with 50 Cent. 50 Cent looked like he was hit by inflation. A, a post by. Uh, <laughs> I didn't even know Dick Butkus tweeted, so this is all news to me. Uh, he has one on Aaron Rodgers as well. Hey, Aaron Rodgers, help me get verified or more than your toe will be hurting. That's amazing. From Moving January 2022, not that long ago. Discussing his age. Thank you, everyone who sends notes saying how your dad loved me. Don't need to hear how your grandpa <laughs> loved me. I'm not that old, damn it. Amazing. And This is gold. 
And then a back and forth here, a throwback to an exchange with Dick Buckus. Uh, he sends out, not going to be able to respond to all of you tonight. Thank you, for kind, thank you kindly for the support. And a young fan responds and says, you killed my grandpa on the football field. And Butkus responded to him, probably deserved it. <laughs> Amazing. Well said, Dick Butkus. R.I.P. to a legend. Yeah. And R.I.P. to that Twitter account. Uh, hopefully someone, maybe a, a Butkus grandkid, can take over the account and continue to give us some, some great material like that. Chad, it is movement weekend across college football from a college football playoff perspective. And, and think about this in two ways. Number one, of course, the 14 playoff we have, but also view it through the lens of what a 12-team playoff would look like right now for teams that we haven't even considered that would be eligible uh, as far as mentioning deserving midway through the season of trying to get into the larger playoff that we'll have starting next year. And it starts with LSU and Missouri. A big game for Missouri to stay unbeaten. They're 5-0 and currently. Meanwhile, LSU not living up to the hype and expectation of the preseason coming off of what they did a year ago. Alabama A&M. Alabama dead to rights two weeks ago. Now all of a sudden they've put, put things together at quarterback after uh, benching, uh, benching their quarterback. They come back and say, oh, uh, let's, he's still the best. And Milrow is now leading the charge as they head back to College Station. Two years ago, we know how they, things ended on the game-winning kick for A&M. Chad was on the field for that storming. Kentucky and Georgia. Georgia, we're still uncertain about. Is this the game where they put everything together? Or is this the game where Kentucky actually wins on the road in a big moment for their program? 5-0 against 5-0. Ole Miss and Arkansas. Oklahoma, Texas, Ohio State taking on a Maryland offense that can score. Both teams unbeaten there. Uh, the, the list goes on and on. But sure, we'll look back on a week one win for Florida State over LSU. And we'll start to peek around the corner and see what Duke has done or what they haven't done or who's slipped up here or there. But Chad, uh, as far as the college football playoff is concerned, this weekend... You start to stake your claim and you position yourself in the conversation or just outside needing other teams to pull an upset or when you go head to head with the teams ahead of you, you've got to get the win. Case in point would be Notre Dame taking on Louisville, a sneaky team that's also unbeaten. I can't wait for the college football weekend. I'm glad you mentioned that game because that's a sneaky big game because, yeah. uh, well, Louisville's undefeated, first off. Surprise, yeah. They've Notre been Dame, biggest surprise. Notre Dame's not by any means dead no. for a college football playoff spot given their schedule and who they have left. So that's a big road opportunity for the Irish. Alabama, a and I'm not even thinking as much about playoff with them as SEC West implication, SEC championship implication in that game. And that's their path, though. But, yeah, you're right. I for mean, both those teams, I mean, to get a head-to-head -head win yep. over the other one, they both have LSU left. But LSU the now has game, the lost the clear Ole Miss. Favorite. Yeah. Alabama's already got the win over, over Ole Miss. And what are we saying about Missouri and Kentucky if both teams win? Well, we're saying that Kentucky is – I mean, honestly, if Kentucky goes to Georgia and wins, they're the favorite yeah, to know. win the SEC East. And then Missouri's in second at that point. Given the records and what's gone on, you're looking at possibly a Kentucky-Missouri race to win the SEC East. Where Crazy. all of a sudden – Tennessee could play spoiler yes. to one of those teams, right? When they play uh, on the road at, at Kentucky and at Missouri or other teams in the East could play spoiler. It's a big weekend. I think, I think it's a re weekend that will reset things a bit 
We'll talk more about it in my top ten games of what I think is going to happen this week. And I think what we're going to get is a little bit more of what we expected in the preseason from some of these teams. I think this is the come-back-to-earth week for a number of teams. Well, just to, just to spotlight Missouri taking on LSU, Kentucky on the road against uh, Georgia, if both programs were to win, and we're not sitting here expecting that, not both. I don't expect either to win, but yeah. If both were to win, they play next week. And you have Missouri, Kentucky currently ranked 20th and 21st. Where would they be ranked? And what's the magnitude and spotlight on that game compared to the, the others that would be uh, possible a week from now? Again, the unexpected matchup of huge magnitude in the top going into the preseason the top conference i mean if kentucky wins Crazy. at georgia the number one team in the country and again at know, the number one team in the country and two-time defending national champion they should be top five they're gonna catapult to the top 10 i would they, think i would think they'll be right there on I'd 10 say or 11 9 10 somewhere yeah. around there they'll jump a full 10 spots and missouri in the rankings and then, and then they're top 15 if both win you're gonna have probably 10 versus 13 <laughs> In America with Kentucky and Missouri next week. Where the winner comes out and is a clear uh, in, in clear contention, but also Playoff probably contender. right around top five, top seven, the winner. Yeah. Again, unlikely, but it's been a crazy year. It, it, it's they, been a crazy start to the college football season. If one of those teams wins that game, I think they become sort of, in the SECs for the purposes of that division, the yep. Tennessee of last year. That could spoil yeah. things and get off to a 5-0, and 6-0 and type start. And Tennessee didn't truly arrive until they won at LSU. Then they beat Alabama. Then all of a sudden you look at the schedule and, and say, they, they might go to the playoff and win it all. Again, the hypothetical, point. Missouri, two weeks after playing Kentucky head-to-head, would then play Georgia. Yeah, this is Athens. the true it's, arrival weekend for both weekend. teams. I can't wait for your top ten later. The, this, you could look at this as a rival weekend for those teams, that they're on the national stage. I see this as reality check weekend. For or, both Missouri and Kentucky. Okay, but also stake your claim, Georgia. Stake your claim, Texas, as far as the matchups that you have in front of you here. Yeah. Uh, that, that's also – and Alabama, who's back in it after, again, two weeks, dead to rights. People are wondering if Alabama's program is, is going the opposite direction. And, 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 hey, Jimbo Fisher, you want to end any discussion about not being the right co- – win this game. Win this game. This is the Lane Kiffin spot that he had. Jimbo's got it now in College Station. Well, and, uh, again, how quickly things can change based on that one bad half at Miami for A&M. They win a home and game against Alabama, which if, they did two years ago against a better Alabama team. They go to Knoxville the next week. If they win that game, they're talking playoff. Yes. I mean, you were looking and at they, A&M and the talent on that defensive are. front and the way they can get after quarterbacks and stop people, and you're thinking, can this team go to the playoff? That's how quickly things can change. I don't think that's going to happen, but that's how quickly things can turn. Chad, have we learned anything from the Duke lacrosse story? I, don't th- I think we have, and I'm speaking for you and I, and I can only speak for us on this show. You've got to be careful how you respond to stories out there. Th- this is an epidemic in news media right now. When a story happens, too many journalists with a capital J are rooting for a certain outcome. Or they're shading their response to that story based on what they think is probably the likely culprit, right? Yes. Uh, Duke lacrosse case, perfect example of this. Rich white kids, poor minority, 
paying for entertainment at a party, poor minorities claim something really awful happened, a crime took place, news media immediately jumps to, it's the rich white kids. I knew it all along. It's those damn lacrosse playing rich white kids. They clearly are guilty of everything that they've been uh, accused of. What happens? Everyone jumps on it. They're not guilty at all. It was made up. Turns out a lot of people had egg on their face with that story. Now fast forward a number of years later, and I think we're seeing all this happen all over again, and it happens far too often. Trevor Bauer's story comes out. Rich, white dude, pitcher, privileged, making a lot of money to pitch a baseball for the Los Angeles Dodgers. Young woman, not a lot of money, accuses him of wrongdoing. Even if you read the accounts and start thinking, it's a little fishy, I'm not so sure about all of this. Consensual sex that went too far. Consensual sex that went too far that then justified rape in her mind. Um, There's conflicting reports on medical condition after the fact. But people jump on Trevor Bauer. Why? Because most in media Mm -hmm. wanted him to be guilty. We saw it with Mel Tucker also. $95 million coach. Not a white guy in this case. Race has nothing to do with it, but he's the man in power. He must be guilty. Let's just hear both sides of the story. Let's get back to that. Let's not root for an outcome first. Either way, let's not root for it one way or the other. Let's see how things unfold. We need more of that. Well said. Michael Fabiano joins us next to get your fantasy football rosters in order. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Coming up, Barrett Salee will join us from CBS Sports. We'll preview the college football weekend and hit the biggest headlines there. Glad you're with us for Hot My With Hut and Withrow across the Outkick Network every Friday at this time. Michael Fabiano joins us. The best when it comes to fantasy football analysis and preview, start, sits, and much more. He's a senior fantasy analyst for Sports Illustrated. Michael, always great to have you on, man. Hope you're well. Uh, uh, and I'll slide you that $20 for that uh, glorious intro that you just gave hey. me. Appreciate it. So uh, His rate is 40 actually. Yeah. So you'll uh, have to pony up we 40. Heard, we yeah. have, we I have, forget that. Yeah. I didn't sign up for 40. <laughs> we haven't heard bad advice from you yet on uh, on on fantasy football so far. And, we, and I, I doubt we will. Your hit rate is very strong. DJ Moore last night. Ex- exceptional. What In terms of non-quarterback scoring... We're, I, it depends how your league's set up. I understand that. But what's the greatest performance we've seen for non-quarterbacks? And 230 yards and three touchdowns, at least in the league I'm in, is producing a boatload of points. And you know you're going to win before the actual weekend even gets here. Yeah, I, I'm in one league where I played against DJ Moore, Sam Howell, and Curtis Samuel last night. So I'm basically toast. And I haven't had one player even go yet. You know, there, there's been a lot of really great fantasy performances. You know, Clinton Portis had, I think it was 55 or 56 fantasy points in a game. Jamal Charles has been up in that area. Uh, Doug Martin, one year when he was with the Raiders, had a massive stat line like that. Jerry Rice also uh, had a game in the 50s. Anytime you hit that 50-point mark, uh, you're up there among some of the best performances of all time. But but very few wide receivers get there, right? 
Yeah, it's mostly been running backs, to be quite honest with you. There have been some wide receivers who have gotten there, especially in full-point PPR for obvious reasons. Yeah. But a lot of times it's been the running backs. I mean, we saw Joe Mixon do it pretty recently where he had a pretty massive game as well. I think it was last year uh, against Carolina. I want to say he had 50 to 54 points somewhere in that ballpark. Uh, So running backs typically are the position that will hit that mark. Uh, Wide receivers will hit it at times, and DJ Moore was certainly a star last night. It appears as though Cooper Cup will return for the Rams this week in the lineup. How do you approach Cooper Cup if you have him on your roster? And the same would go for Jonathan Taylor. We don't know if the Colts are going to play him or not. They're being coy about that. But Sunday morning when the inactives come out, if he's active, do you start him? Probably. Uh, and I and I certainly start him over Zach Moss, who has done pretty admirably. Uh, he's done a great job since Taylor has been out for the first four weeks. Now, I'm not saying that Jonathan Taylor is a must-start. I don't know what the snap count situation is going to be. The matchup's not great against the Titans. They're really good against the run. But with four teams on a bye and the running back position being what it is, I think if Taylor's active for the Colts, he'll probably be active in a lot of leagues from a fantasy perspective. And as for Cooper Cup, I don't even care if there's a snap count. I'm still playing him. Uh, the, the Eagles' defense has not been good against wide receivers. They've struggled against the pass, which is kind of strange to think because the Eagles are seen as such an elite defense. But really, they're not against the pass. And the Rams, they got something going on. I'd still start Puka Nakua. Uh, maybe Tutu Atwell will slide over to my bench this week. But I'm really interested to see what this Rams offense is going to look like with Cooper Cup in the mix because we all thought it was going to go down in the dumps. And to be honest with you, uh, the, the numbers that Puka Nakua has put up out of nowhere uh, have been unbelievable. And even Tutu Atwell has been pretty prominent from a statistical perspective. But yeah, if Cooper Cup's going to play, and it looks like he will, Hard to sit a guy of his caliber. So usually hitting the panic button or showing panic is not an admirable trait to have. But sometimes it's the prudent decision to make in regards to a player. Um, I saw Joe Burrow last week, and if I'm a Joe Burrow fantasy owner, I'm I'm hitting the panic button on him. Is it time, time with Burrow? Yeah. It's four games, and he's averaging eight points a game. And he had a bad game against the Titans last week, and the Titans are awful against quarterbacks. I don't know why the Bengals just don't rest him because let's look at it this way from a fantasy standpoint, Burrow keeps playing. They have a bye coming up in week seven. And I think they have like the Niners and the bills after that, like probably two games you're going to lose with a less than 100% Joe Burrow. And then at that point, you might be out of the playoff picture altogether. And then does Zach Taylor decide at that point? Well, we're just going to rest Burrow. He's going to be done for the season. And I got Jamar chase who I've got to worry about catching passes from Jake Browning the rest of the season. It's not a good scenario. I don't know why the Bengals aren't resting him. He's clearly not right. He is a guy who thrives downfield, just like Jamar Chase thrives downfield. And either one of these guys, at least Chase is putting up decent numbers, but Burrow's not startable right now. He's got the Cardinals this week and it's a good matchup. I can't play him. I'd rather have Joshua Dobbs. And I can't believe I just said that. How about Jameer Gibbs in Detroit? Um, how long do we wait for him to be unveiled in, in, in totality for their lineup? See, I don't know that he's going to be uh, unless David Montgomery gets hurt. David Montgomery is a good back in the prime of his career. Now I, I thought Gibbs would be used more than he has been, but clearly Dan Campbell wants to lean on David Montgomery, the guy who can run between the tackles and is clearly the goal line option. He had 11 goal line looks last week. That's insane. Yeah. And Jameer Gibbs, as good as he might be at some point in the NFL, is not great from a fantasy perspective right now. He is a flex starter at best. That is David Montgomery's backfield. 
You don't get 34 touches in a game by accident. So let's stay in Detroit. What about Jamison Williams and his return from the gambling suspension? How do you view him this week? Certainly someone who needs to be rostered. I don't know if I'm playing him this week, though. Now, Amon Ross St. Brown does not practice. And if Amon Ross doesn't play, you know, then maybe Jamison Williams can sneak into my lineup somewhere or another. But I just don't know if there's going to be a snap count situation there. They could use Josh Reynolds as their one. Sam Laporta will continue to get burned. Uh, Khalif Raymond they could also use there as well. So if St. Brown doesn't play, which would really be bad from a fantasy perspective because he's so good, uh, and he would hurt the value of Jared Goff not being on the field, but uh, maybe Jamison Williams is a flex starter in a league that starts multiple flexes, but I I do have some concerns about him this week. Moving forward, uh, we'll see that usage move up, and uh, I just don't know how many snaps and how many routes he's going to be running right out of the gate this week. Maybe with Amon Ross St. Brown out, if he is in fact out, uh, Williams sees a little bit more burn, but uh, we don't know that just yet. I want to be brief on this, Michael, and then we'll get to your Fabs 5. Uh, bye week snacks, and we have buys actually starting this week with the Browns, Seahawks, Chargers, and Bucks. How much attention do you give to maybe a tight end or a, a third receiver, like Josh Palmer uh, with the, the Chargers? Do you snag those players if you have room for them now, or are they rotational based on buys? I mean, Josh Palmer's probably gone. I mean, in most competitive leagues, but if he's floating around out there, you know, absolutely, I would go out and get them. If someone is dropped from one of the four teams, maybe, you know, someone drops, I don't know, Elijah Moore. What about a defense? A wide receiver. What then about go a defense? Pick him up. Like the yeah, Browns' yeah. defense. Yeah, I, I mean, absolutely. And, and, and you should be looking ahead, too. Okay. That's a smart thing to do with the defensive matchups as well. See who these teams are playing in week six, grab them now. And then you'll be good to go. You kind of jump, jump the gun. You jump the rest of your competition and maybe pick up some of those players. So certainly you should be looking at that. Time for the Fabs Five with Michael Fabiano of Sports Illustrator, senior fantasy analyst who joins us weekly on Hot Mike. Let's start with the starters. You're starting quarterback Jordan Love for the Packers. Great matchup. And his floor has been like 17, 18 points. He's had three games over 20. Uh, the Raiders defense has not been good against quarterbacks. So this is a really good spot for Jordan Love, who has been better than we expected in the stat sheets. Uh, James Cook at running back, I like him, playing the Jaguars over in jolly old London uh, as a RB2 flex. He's getting enough volume where you could play him there. I like Brees Hall this week. I mean, listen, I know he's been bad outside of one game, but Denver's defense is terrible. And we also heard Robert Sala come out and say, this is the week that we're going to unshackle Brees Hall. There's not going to be a snap count. Get him into your lineup. Uh, Michael Pittman Jr. is coming off a stinker. I like him, though, against Tennessee. They struggle against perimeter receivers. He's averaging about 14 points per game career against that AFC South rival. And sticking with the Jets, I'm going to play Garrett Wilson. I was wrong about Wilson last week. I didn't love him. I said he's a risk-reward flex. He had a good game, a lot of targets. Let's hope Zach Wilson can build off of what he did this past week against Kansas City because he's got a good matchup against the Denver Broncos, and Garrett Wilson should benefit, even though he could see Patrick Sertan. It hasn't mattered. Denver's defense has been really bad. Huge Jets guy this week. Who are you not big on this week? Who's going to your bench, Michael? We mentioned Joe Burrow, and I've gotten to the point now where unless I'm in a 2QB league, I don't know how you play him. And I hope, I hope that I am reverse jinxing Joe Burrow back uh-huh. into existence, and he puts up a big line because I got him at my sit of the week at quarterback. I'm a little bit superstitious, guys, uh, but I am not playing him if I have an alternative. Najee Harris, you probably got to play him, right? I mean, it's four weeks where our four teams on a bye this week. 
but Najee's been bad and he's got a bad matchup against the Ravens. I'd avoid him in DFS. Um, Miles Sanders, who I just don't love. I mean, he's been an inconsistent fantasy running back ever since he came out of Penn State. This year, he has not been good at all. He's had maybe one or two decent games. Uh, he had a stinker last week. Chuba Hubble looks better. And the matchup's not getting great in Detroit. Uh, Drake London, who scored a touchdown in London, of course, that's not coincidence, right? That's going to happen. Uh, but I don't love him against the Texans. They have been very tough against perimeter receivers. And I'd also beware George Pickens. Now, I get it. He's number one wide receiver for the Steelers. Ryan Pickett's back, but or Kenny Pickett is back, excuse me. But wow, the Steelers' offense looks bad. I mean, their defense ain't great either. And we all thought the Steelers' offense would really pick it up after looking pretty good in the preseason. It has not happened. And outside of that 71-yard touchdown, that George Pickens had a few weeks back. He's really done nothing so far this season. So uh, if you do start him, temper your expectations. And you're not benching Pickens. You're benching Matt Canada, Chad, is what I'm hearing <laughs> yeah. there. Yeah. I, I, I would love to see the Steelers have a new uh, man in charge of that offense. Let's just yeah. put it that way. I wish you could draft an OC and DC on your fantasy football team <laughs> and see how <laughs> lowly Matt Canada would be ranked on that list of available offensive coordinators. That, that would be fun to follow. I have been in leagues. There's there's a such thing called the Scott Fishbowl, which you may or may not have heard of. That's pretty popular. Um, and he does, Scott Fish does, switch up the lineups and the scoring system every single season. And there have been seasons where you could draft a head coach and you get 10 points for a win, for example. Wow. So uh, I, I don't know about coordinators, but I've heard of the head coaches. Let's be the first to institute that. Let's be trailblazers. We'll have our own coordinator draft at some point. We've got some questions coming in on the YouTube chat. Also uh, Jan in the chat believes that Zach Wilson is going to torch the Broncos secondary in this game. So a big Jets guy like you. Uh, Jordan asked a question, and you answered it on Love. You like him this week, and I'm starting Jordan Love on my team. Wants to know about C.J. Stroud. His question was between Jordan Love and C.J. Stroud. In general, what do you make of the NFL Offensive Rookie of the Month? First off, I would continue to start Jordan Love uh, until he gives me a reason not to. He's been that good. But C.J. Stroud has been fantastic. I mean, I think the most impressive thing about him is he doesn't have an interception. I mean, this guy's played four games in the National Football League, no interceptions. And typically, if a rookie quarterback is going to make a fantasy impact, he's got to be mobile, right? I mean, we've seen it from Cam Newton and Russell Wilson and RG3 and Vince Young. I mean, you can go back as far as you want. Mobile quarterbacks typically make a first-year impact. Stroud's not mobile. And he has made the Texans wide receiver group very fantasy relevant. In fact, they're in the top five in scoring right now at that position as a group, which is unbelievable. So, heck, C.J. Stroud's going to be a, a viable fantasy starter based on the matchups if he continues to play at this sort of a level. He's been one of the biggest surprises. I was wrong about him, uh, and I love seeing it because he's made Nico Collins better. He's made Tank Dell a thing as well. Uh, in Houston, so that's nothing but good news for fantasy managers. Real quick, uh, half PPR, are you starting Cortland Sutton or Damian Pierce? I'm going to go Sutton. I don't love Pierce this week. I don't love the matchup for him. You know that the Atlanta Falcons have allowed the second fewest fantasy points to running backs this year? Behind only the Cowboys. Uh, that's kind of a shocking stat. Uh, I'd rather go with the wide receiver here. I don't love Sutton either, but I like getting points for the catches, and in that decision, I'll, I would probably go with the wide receiver there over Pierce, who needs to really get into the end zone to have a good game. And Gabe Davis or Tank Dell? Tank Dell. Okay. Well, there's the uh, there's the passing options there for sure. Uh, but I love CJ. I've got Lamar Jackson and CJ Stroud. 
and they're roughly about the same amount of points currently. Could do it. Yeah, I mean, you're starting Jackson, yeah. but Stroud's been very good, yeah. Hey, uh, always great. Uh, more than very good, Michael Fabiano. Uh, fantastic uh, fantasy football analysis each and every week. We really appreciate this. You got it, guys. Have a great weekend, and good luck this week. Yep, same to you. The 12 teams that he has. The Michael underscore Fabiano is where you can uh, follow him. Excellent analysis there. Uh, he does that with us each and every Friday. We're continuing with the guests. Barrett Salih, always great. We'll break down the top the matchups best. across college football. There are plenty of them. He's next on Hot My With Hunt and Withrow across the Outkick Network. <laughs>